Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. It's been, actually, I think um, if I break the fourth wall and talk about time, um, we are actually in a situation that we haven't been in before where we are recording relatively soon before is that the right mm-hmm. way of putting it? Mm-hmm. before we release yeah and it's because um i was traveling traveling mm-hmm. um i'm i had you know graduations and family stuff next week i'm traveling yep supposedly yep um and so um it's been a very busy time but um just jason's going to be checking the sound um i'm the first one of the two of us to test positive relatively asymptomatic, but I am sequestered and I am, I am, my recording studio is now the bedroom. Yep. So no jokes. Nope. And, um, so Jason will have to use some extra bit of magic with, uh, just to make sure that my mic is working well. But, um, one thing that I have missed now, since we've been so busy the past couple of months, either with the podcast Mm -hmm. or you're traveling, me traveling, Mm -hmm. family stuff, just is work. Yeah. We haven't played. Nope. We have not played in quite some now, time. Now we, we haven't played live. We play in effect by message through Facebook with our friend, Brian, which we have remarkably slowly gotten back into. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, and it actually is kind of working out. We have our little quips and, and mm-hmm. it actually is humorous and fun and serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't played live. No. And one of the things I know you and I have talked about this in the past, you watch some of these shows, um, you know, watch critical role, um, watch glass or watch critical role, listen to glass cannon. Mm -hmm. G4 TV has their um, D and D show, their game show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just see how people act out their parts. Yes. And their roles. And we've mentioned it before. And I have this, I have this superbly innate ability to mimic and um, voice all of our different characters, albeit they all are Irish. Even saying that everything you just said was wrong. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Well, I was trying to twist it into a way that made it it sound a little self-deprecating, but it didn't work. Oh no, Um, trust me. It was self-deprecating. Go on. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, one of the things we've talked about is this idea of, and you and I have talked about it. How do we play our characters? I mean, yes, you actually got very descriptive and Lothal, your um, elf. Yep. Has a yep. uncanny voice. Resem- well, not when I say it, but you can imagine it. Yeah. yeah to Alan Rickman. Yep. Yep. So. Um, but this has been a challenge for us and for like Brian and other friends, because, because none of us are actually, that's not true. I was going to say none of us are actors, although Brian did quite a bit of community theater in the day. So Brian is, but he still can't do voice as well. Um, none of us, well, none of us can, no, really. none of us can put ourselves out there. That's just not us. Yeah. I think the idea of acting and getting into our character as first person versus third person is something new or something that's, I don't want to say out of the comfort zone, but because that sounds like we're afraid of it, but 
um, it's, it's just not in our skill. wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not in our mm-hmm. wheelhouse. So it's interesting tonight. Yeah. Um, that or for this episode, whenever mm-hmm. you're listening to it, yep. we have uh, Karen Twelves with us. Yes, we do. Very fortunate. And Karen, I'll let you jump in. Karen, because I've been hogging this. No, no. Um, Karen has a background and you're going to hear her talk about mm-hmm. this idea of improv. Yes. But not as you'll hear uh, our interview with her didn't go in the directions I thought it would. And it, it was far better. And what I mean by that is I think it'll be fairly obvious at at least a few points along the way with the interview that you and I, Brad, were taken a bit by surprise. Like her explanation and her demystification of improv at the table. Yes. Um, was was really neat. It I I know that sounds corny, but it I, I was expecting, okay, you know, here, because this is a person who teaches improv professionally, who consults, yeah. who teaches, etc. And I was expecting not just, okay, not just go, gaming, but in- no, no. The right. business world as well. Right. Corporate. I mean, yes. like, like pretty hardcore, legit stuff to, to better run meetings, to better run organizations. And I was expecting all, you know, okay, well, let's do this table read and let's, t- let's talk about getting into voices. And as you'll hear, it was quite the contrary um, to the point that, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to pick up the second edition of her book. And we won't say a whole lot now because, yeah. uh, because she's going to talk about that other than we would strongly encourage everybody. Uh, if you're not already a backer, get online. Uh, the, the book just pre-released days ago, as of this release of this episode, get online, pre-order that bad boy. It's going to be a great book, especially with the additions. Yes, absolutely. Um, so let's, without further ado, um, Let's let's have Karen join us and let's have a discussion. All right, here we go. Karen Twelves has been teaching improv for over a decade for theater companies, corporate workshops, and through the Google Arts program. She teaches her improv for gamers workshop series at conventions across the country, including Big Bad Con, Origins Game Fair, and Gen Con. Karen is also an editor and has worked on games such as Fiasco, Dialect, Blades in the Dark, and Thirsty Sword Lesbians. She loves playing one-shot games with epic wins and disastrous fails, and will tell you all about her duelist character from a truly epic Kingmaker Pathfinder campaign. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We are thrilled today, this evening, to have with us uh, author, editor, linguist, Karen Twelves, who is has agreed to join us at least initially to talk about her reiteration of Improv for Gamers, but hopefully a lot more. So Karen, thanks very much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. So we might as well just start. I know we were chatting off air beforehand and we've already covered the important things like your feelings about the Oxford comma. Glad to say <laughs> I, got it say out of the way. Got it yeah. out of the way. We're all four. Yeah. So we decided the interview could we go kept on. That, without, we kept that yeah. off recording because we know it's controversial. So that's right. Oh, would it not have happened if I had been like, actually, it's not so bad. You'd be like, I'm sorry. This interview yeah, is I, over. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know if we can really work with her. Yet. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but so, so there's a lot we'd love to 
chat about with you, but mm-hmm. but let's just start if we could with improv for gamers as a concept. And I'll just preface by by saying this is a topic that we've been hearing a lot about for the past several years, improv in general. Yeah. Uh, and and it seems to be making its way uh, not just pop culture, but into general culture. I can't, I, I, mm-hmm. I truly can't tell you how many meetings or discussions I've been in, even, even like faculty meetings where someone has said, well, yes, and Hmm. when yeah. they're about to disagree or switch tracks or whatever. And that comes out of the improv world. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, you're applying it to RPGs, but, but I mean, how did that all start with you? Why improv? Why gaming? Oh, well, I mean, I've been gaming since high school and I started improv back in 2008. I, I took a class and just really fell in love with it. And, um, and I think there's just a huge overlap in the skills. And I think it's a good point to start with because improv especially in gaming means a lot of different things for a lot of different people and so sometimes people hear improv and they go immediately to performance and I think oh improv is a GM skill that's for doing funny voices and and also not planning in advance and it's really so much more (laughs) than that Uh, It's a skill that's useful for everybody, you know, and as, as you said, like, not just, you know, for performing on a stage and not just for applying it to, to gaming, which is kind of a very performance-based hobby, but the philosophies and and skills that you can practice and learn through improv are really useful just in life in general. So some of the classes that I teach locally, um, and I also do as like corporate workshops is uh, what's often called applied improv. Mm -hmm. And so for this, I'm not, we're not studying to be performers and get up on a stage. Um, These are workshops where we play a lot of the warm-up games and the training games, and then talk about how those are actually really useful for general life skills, you know, for active listening Mm -hmm. and for collaborating and just for like being enthusiastic about building a team together. And all of those skills, you can just practice through these fun and silly games, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. these theater exercises. And so I do a lot of group games uh, that are, nobody has to have a character, you know, there's the bar is very low, as I assure people that um, there's no notes on their performance. Um, So we're just having fun and playing, which, you know, a lot of adults don't do at all. Right. So we don't, we don't play enough, uh, which is also why I love gaming, because I can play all the time, but I love being able to facilitate play uh, for people who might not be able to as much. So it's a really fun way to, as I say, kind of practice these human skills. How, how did you, I, I know I can see my air quotes because it's audio, yeah. but, but <laughs> how did you get into improv? Like what attracted you in that direction to begin with? Oh, I mean, a friend just asked me if I wanted to take a class and I said, sure. Uh, (laughs) I'm not a very impulsive person, but at the time, um, some of my friends had just moved out of town. I honestly was um, not going out quite as much. Um, I had just kind of moved back into the area. And so I didn't know a ton of people. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of my gaming friends had moved away. So I was like, well, here's a hobby that I've been curious about. Uh, You know, I've always wanted to do theater, but felt 
too pressured to be good. And I, I've heard that you don't actually have to be good at improv to do improv. So fantastic. Right. I'm in. <laughs> and, and yeah, I started taking classes and then eventually, uh, you know, joined a house troupe at a theater, got wow. involved in other local troops. Um, and we performed at different places in the Bay area and as part of, um, like festivals and stuff. And then I started teaching improv and actually the mm -hmm. first classes that I started teaching was improv for gamers, the, the series. Oh. And I've been teaching those for over a decade. Wow. Let me, let me yeah. just ask real quick while you're, yeah. cause I, as I think we told you we're organic. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to digress here for a second. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. did this teaching, the teaching that you do corporate mm -hmm. or whatever, how did, how was that affected by the pandemic? Did you move to yeah. Oh, Zoom based yeah. teaching was yes. it different? You know, how did that work for you? Yeah, so we did move to Zoom based, which works pretty well for a lot of things. I struggled um, with like my performance troupe that I'm part of because I, I am part of a troupe that would perform a few times a month um, in Oakland. Or rather, they performed every every week, but it's a rotating cast, so I only had to perform like once or twice a month, which was great. And I was teaching for them too, but I could not do the like scene work and performance stuff online. I was really struggling with that because I really rely on eye contact to mm -hmm. like make a connection with people. Uh, and so it was, and with the little bit of lag, you just don't really know how people are feeling. You don't know how things are landing. So I had a hard time as a performer on that side, but I was still doing, um, like improv for real life classes, which is actually the name of, of a series of classes that I teach along mm -hmm. with some other instructors through Berkeley Improv Theater. We put those online and they worked just great because we weren't trying to perform. We were just having fun and playing some silly games. Cool. Yeah. So we were still able to do most of the things that we would do in person. Obviously there's some exercises that really only work in person, mm -hmm. but a lot of it was just fine. And, you know, it was more convenient. I didn't have to drive anywhere. I could wear my pajama pants, you know, it was, it was nice. <laughs> so, uh, so we did that for a long time and have kind of gone back and forth of doing some in-person classes, going back to online, doing some in-person, going back to online again. Yeah. Now, um, Berkeley Improv Theater has kind of half and half. They, they, they're doing some online a little bit, but mostly just in-person these days. Uh, and it was really good to get back. One, because there were some things that I, I really missed, but there's also just such a different feeling in person Sure. that you don't quite get online. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one thing to get into improv, mm -hmm. apply to gaming. It's another thing to then teach that, yeah. especially corporately and whatnot. And then yeah. it's another thing to write a book about this. Yes. And you had <laughs> improv for gamers come out in 18, correct? Yeah. And so what, what would... I mean, how did you get there? I mean, granted, you know, this is in your wheelhouse outside of improv, but but why a book? Well, I'd say, so I started teaching improv for gamers, I think in like 2010. Okay. And so I'd really been writing the book since then because I um, also used to be an ESL teacher. And if, I and I think this goes for any teachers, but you have to create a lot of your own curriculum. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And with, with the school that I was working for, you know, we had a core book and we had some resources and that was supposed to only take like maybe half of the class time. And we were just supposed to make stuff up for the rest of it. Yeah. So I made a lot of 
curriculum. And I, I documented a lot of instructions for games and made up a lot of, of, of exercises. So as I was going through planning out this workshop, I was writing it all as if it were a teacher's lesson plan, right? Uh, because I was also co-facilitating it. So I, I was mm, working mm. with two other friends of mine, uh, Matthew Klein and Mia Blankensop, who helped me kind of, you know, the three of us kind of started the whole thing because I reached out to them because Mia um, is an amazing improviser and, and uh, instructor. And Matt does a lot of corporate improv and, and is a gamer. And so we kind of put our heads together to think about like, what are the skills that gamers need? Not just GMs, but yeah. any gamer. Yeah. What is an improv game that we know that practices that skill? And we kind of put all that together. And I wrote these very detailed lesson plans uh, for myself and, and for them to kind of follow along. So I had it, I had a lot written down already. And people would often then see my giant stack of notes and ask me, like, hey, could I, could I have your notes? Like, where can I find th these games? Cause I want to play them with my friends. And I didn't really like giving those notes away because they were very messy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was nothing, you know, like, uh, what's the word? It's, I, I mean, God, I can't remember the word now. I should probably know it. It really wasn't like, I, you didn't look at it as like IP, like intellectual yeah, property. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not my IP. These are games that yeah. have swirled around in yeah. theater for decades. Huh. So it wasn't proprietary. That was Yeah, yeah. And I would gotcha. tell people like, oh, you can just go find all these rules online. Like, here's what they were called. Uh -huh. um, and, and you can just go find all of this online. And I would recommend other books that also, you know, that had exercises written out. Um, and I would recommend other, other schools and places to, uh, you know, theaters to take classes. Uh, but people kind of kept asking me, like, can I just like get your notes? Because mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like those are written for me, right. you know? Because right. they, because everything that we did, we were writing it to put it into the context of gamers, mm -hmm. which I think is something that, um, you know, you can, you can go and get an improv class anywhere in, in almost any city. Right. And now with online improv, literally anywhere, you can still right. take online improv classes. And there's some really good theaters actually that are doing online improv. Uh, but there's not a lot that will just sift out what's relevant to gamers unless you're at like a convention there's lots of improv sure. uh, workshops at conventions now mm -hmm. that's become like really popular and there are some other books on the subject but none of them really gave you just like instructions for how to do the games yeah you know they talked a lot about the learnings which is really good but i wanted to offer something different which was like here's how to actually go play this game here's here's three things it's it you know it's a game it teaches you everything have fun so I decided to finally put everything together in a book just so people didn't have to take an improv class or go mm -hmm. to a convention because mm -hmm. uh, conventions are expensive. Yeah. And, and I just wanted it to be really accessible. And so it was pitched to just be really easy and anybody can pick it up and play. The instructions are hopefully very simple. Everything's really trimmed down. It gives mm -hmm. you a couple mm -hmm. of observations about gaming and its relevance but there's not a lot in there about telling you here's the true way of improv and like here's the true way of gaming because right. i can't speak to that i didn't want to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so 
So, I mean, all, all very cool. So this was, this came out in 18, which is only four yeah. years ago, yeah. which is a while, but seems not, like a lifetime. Okay. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the, in the, in the early times, the pre-times, yeah. but now as, as of uh, the release of this recording, a few days ago, several days ago, the second edition of your book went on for pre-order. Yeah. Right. That's available. So, so I'm I'm curious. I mean, I've I've read up on it. So is Brad, but but from your perspective directly, why a second edition? What what why the need? What's you know why? Where, where does it take us? Sure. Well, I pretty much wanted to add more to the book as soon as we sent it to the printers. There's always more, you know. And there's <laughs> things that I realized I wanted to change. I realized that I didn't really talk about online improv a lot. Uh, because oh, it wasn't sure. something that I was familiar with yep. at the time. And, and it was something that I always assumed like, well, yeah, I guess you can do it online and you can figure out how to make it work. But I, I didn't really include anything breaking down that um, specifically. Or so all of my exercises, if you look at the first edition, they're all written from the assumption that you are in person. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, you know, it would have been so easy to just rephrase everything and make it more neutral. Mm-hmm. There's only a couple of exercises that like you really have to do in person. Although I am welcome to anybody trying to prove me wrong on that and yeah. making it work online. That sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we're putting together a whole roll 20 module to try to make everything oh. as playable Ooh. online as we can. Yeah. I'm excited about that. It's going to look really good. Uh, so yeah. So there was already more that I wanted to, to put into the book. And, and some things that I wanted to fix. And so with the second edition, there's 50% more content and everything Jeez. has been revised. Oh man. And I got, uh, you know, over a dozen contributors to also uh, share some of their own favorite exercises. So I have other kind of gamers who, who improvise, improvisers who game yeah. uh, to, to share some of the exercises that they really like that, mm-hmm. you know, that weren't already in the book cool. um, to share a couple of other thoughts and think pieces on how improv works for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just kind of submitted, uh, we asked for just like a lot of little quick tips about like, what's nice. one thing that you like, what's your big takeaway from improv for gaming. And so we yeah. have a lot of little quotes kind of throughout the book with that advice. Mm-hmm. And we included more sections on how to adapt for online, like what to think yeah. about for that, yeah. um, how to adapt for accessibility. Yeah, I want to ask you more about that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. And and we had two um, two separate pieces about you know playing outside your own culture, both from an improviser nice. and from a gamer, and um, who obviously both of them kind of have some overlap, but we kind mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to hear if there was a slightly different perspective because playing outside your own culture in improv is also a very hotly discussed topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to, I mean, if, if you're good with it, Brad, I would love to talk more about yeah, but both the book and beyond those two, in my mind, related topics of accessibility, but also cultural awareness and, and diversity. It just it seems the RPG world right now, the community writ large, in mm-hmm. some ways, in some sectors, is so far ahead. Yeah. Right? Of where society needs to be on both accessibility and diversity. Um, and it's so cool that it's in the book. 
It, it's funny that you say that because I do find I've had the same conversation with improvisers again and again about like, how do we make this feel like a safe space? You know, what are what are the safety tools that we can use? And I'm like, y'all, like gamers did this and gamers weren't even first to this at all. No. Uh, but like we've been taking those tools from other communities and making them work for us um, in terms of just like a lot of the safety tools and like content calibration tools that you can use in gaming. There's still a lot of assumptions in improv that you don't get to say no to content, that you have to make it work. And that's very scary and also extremely wrong. I think that the, the yes and rule, if you don't really think about it more as like a philosophy is actually really scary because if people just tell you like, oh yeah, 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 the yes and rule in improv means that you just like have to accept what other people yeah. give you as ideas and you have to work with it. I'm like, that sounds awful because do you know how many times in like level one improv classes I was cast as like somebody's girlfriend, somebody's mother or somebody's sex worker. And wow, that was, grief. oh my God. How many times in a scene did, did my scene partner male feel like they needed to massage my shoulders? I was like, no, that's not, I have a lot of shoulder pain. I like, I tell people straight up when I meet them now, if I'm going on stage with them, I'm like, by the way, don't touch my shoulders. Just don't, don't touch. Well, don't touch period. Right. Perhaps. But there's a lot of assumptions of like anything goes. And that can be really scary if you don't know those people. If you're working with people that you know, and obviously if you're in a troupe, you get to know each other really well. You know yeah. each other's boundaries. Yeah. You also know content of like, hey, we're never going to talk about X, Y, Z with this person because they have trauma about that. So we're never going to do that with them. Or, hey, Karen has like really stiff and uncomfortable shoulders. So we're never going to touch her there. Uh, you have to learn that though. So when you, when you see people on stage giving each other a hard time and teasing each other, and it looks yeah. like they're kind of putting each other into uncomfortable positions, if they're professionals, what's actually happening is that they're all on board and they're just pretending to suffer because right. the audience finds it funny. Right. And that's what we do. We know, like, I know that I can pretend to tease you with this stuff and the audience is going to love that and you're going to play along with it. But a lot of people don't understand that. And so they think, oh, I can just go into improv and I can immediately do like a lot of blue comedy and I can totally like sell out my partner for a laugh. And it's just, no, you just can't. It's not going to work. They're, they're not going to want to play with you again. Right. Is right. something that you've seen kind of trans? I think you may have alluded to it, but just so I'm clear, you've seen this kind of transition over time or is, do you think it's still pretty prevalent? I think it's gotten a lot better. I cannot speak for what improv culture is like in other cities. You know, I'm in the Bay Area. I have I have heard that we are a little more touchy-feely, um, you know, a little more in touch Sorry. with our feelings <laughs> and our soft side than, yeah. than other cities. Uh, great. That sounds amazing to me. I, I love being here. So I can't speak to what culture is like in, in other cities. But uh, I do think it's something that has gotten a lot better. But it's still like I have these conversations and I feel like, weren't we having this conversation on G plus like eight years ago? <laughs> Remember Google Plus? <laughs> like I had I was having I was having a flashback when you said G plus. I'm like, is that Google Plus? Yeah. 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 I barely remember that for, for a reason. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I do remember, and I wasn't even on there that much, but there was like a lot of debates, you know, and before that, and all the other, uh, you know, gaming forums that will rename, remain, remain nameless. Anonymous. Yes, yes. So if, if, because I want to, I want to talk about some of your other work too, but before we wander over there, which is related, um, if, so if we've got some GMs listening to this Mm -hmm. interview and they're like, okay, this is really interesting. And I want to, I want to start to think about improv and I especially want to be accessible and sensitive and aware. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously they should, they should go buy the first edition of the book and then pre-order the second edition of the book, just to make sure. I would skip straight to the second one because it, it, it's better than the first. Okay. Don't. Well, I mean, you know, also but, you can only get the first edition in PDF now. So like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a hard, I still like, I mean, I consider myself pretty tech savvy, not like Brad, but I still like a book in my hands. I, I, I feel I just, you. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I, well, I knew we were on the same page with the Oxford commerce. So I think, yeah, <laughs> but, but so seriously, like what, what, just briefly, if this is if this is fair, like what's something that they should start to think about right away that could help them in their GMing, just in terms of of being a little improvisational, but doing it in in a quote unquote good way, in a way that will help their players, that will open those doors. Um, I think you want to be flexible, and you want to be excited for other people's ideas. So, and, and I mean, and this is already GM advice that we hear, which is be a fan of your players. Yeah. And that's a very, the, the improv equivalent is make your partner look good. You yeah. know, you're, you're always focusing on how can I make this scene better for my scene partner rather than focusing on like, how can I direct the spotlight just on me? So if everybody's working on improving the story for the other characters, it's just going to feel so much more satisfying than everybody fighting for their own spotlight. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it's just going to work so much better. So those are just like some of the biggest takeaways I think on like the philosophy that you can take from improv to gaming is be flexible, be like willing to change your ideas and like willing to see how you can make things work and like be a fan of your players and your characters. You want to make sure that everybody's having a good time. Sometimes those are two different things. Sometimes you can be having a great time as a player and your character is having a horrible time. That's called fiasco. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important. I think you mentioned it too. It's not just, it's, you know, there's a, there's a benefit to having the players involved in this as well and having them get involved. I could, I could foresee Jason jokes that, you know, from a improv or acting perspective, I have a, a, a large dearth of potential skills as long mm-hmm. as every accent is Irish. That is true. Yeah. 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 I, I, my advice and, and here's where I also brought in other people for more advice on this. My advice is don't do accents. Uh, you can do voices. And, and that's something that is a skill that you can practice in a couple different ways in the book, which is if you try to do an accent, if you're trying to do a regional accent or, or like an ethnic accent, it's not, it is so easy to do it wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And you don't, you don't need to, you don't actually need to do any type of silly voices for your characters. I I think what I also try to really assure people so much through the book is like, don't worry about it. If you're not having fun, then don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And just focus on being better at the things that you enjoy doing. And you know, cause why, why bother? Like you don't have to be good at everything. You don't have to, to be a voice actor. 
to to you know have NPCs in in your party. Uh, it is kind of fun to have a little bit of a different voice. So they like all don't all sound like the same surfer dude, like mine normally do, but you can do that through, as we talk about, like in the book and, you know, as voice actors do is like the different types of things that you can change in terms of like your pitch, your speed, your intonation. You can even play around with kind of over um, emphasizing different parts of your face while you're speaking you know you can speak with a big mouth or a little mouth you can keep your eyes wide open all of those little things are going to influence how your your voice sounds and that's going to give you yeah. a character yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense. so on the note of voicing and character and language mm-hmm. just have to hop over here because it's so yeah. interesting so you are by background a linguist technically yes that is what it says on my degree. Yes. Not sure how to pursue that now. Well, I mean, am I actively linguisting right now? I, I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, so I studied linguistics, uh, for kind of the second half of my undergrad. And then I went back for a master's in applied linguistics, which is specifically how people learn languages. So we learned a lot about the theory of how people learn languages. I don't know if I remember any of that anymore, Hmm. but what I started doing then was teaching ESL. Right. And so that's where that kind of came in was in the theory of, you know, how, how to teach a language. Yeah. And as I got more into ESL, that's kind of then where a lot of the editing came in because I was learning so much about grammar and I was editing so many things for students. Mm -hmm. I taught a lot of very upper level test prep courses uh, for many years at a school in San Francisco. And so Mm -hmm. I had to edit a variety of of papers and a variety of styles. Mm -hmm. So then when I was kind of thinking about like, I want to edit games actually i think that would be fun i i had a lot of really good skills for that and i do work also now i i work as a technical editor to freelance so i don't i don't work uh my full-time job is not editing games Uh, Mm. that is not making me uh, any money Uh, it's not making a lot of money (laughs) uh i i don't have the drive to hustle and uh, grind for that so i do Mm. work as a technical editor um, and I edit tech blogs and it's boring, but, uh, it pays pretty well. So, yeah, well, I know, I mean, this is a bit of a, of a loose association, but, um, last college where I, where I taught, I remember the, the technical writing courses mm-hmm. there were, they were there, they were just being introduced and man, were they hot? I mean, students really, you know, you can take, you can take, you know, English or lit or whatever, or you can go into something like technical writing that presumably, has you know an applied payoff rather mm-hmm. soon out i just I, I i actually think that sounds really interesting i mean to me it seems like there's a lot of of hybridization across yeah. the different sectors like like your path makes sense even if it wasn't necessarily predictable but you know i think guilty as charged for both of us so. yeah it really all came together at the end so <laughs> you know the the linguistics to ESL, to, to, to teaching, to editing, to improv. And then it, it kind of is all in this book, all of those skills finally together That's, at last. <laughs> and, and that, that will be published in October. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it should be uh, coming out in October. Um, you know, that's, yeah. I say should be because you never know. We don't know. With yeah. production le- right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that is the expected timeline. So, I mean, mm -hmm. the book is done. We just sent off the final, final copy and then found a typo. So the final, final, final copy will go out tomorrow, maybe uh, to the printer. And I'm very excited about it. That's, that's super cool. So granted, mm -hmm. you just, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, as you, you had indicated before that within the next couple of days, pre-order is going to go up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you miss the game found um, crowdfunding, don't worry. You can, you yeah. can pre-order the book and, and it is going to obviously have a PDF and an EPUB version as well. Yeah. yeah. But you had a ton of people back it. Yeah, we had a really successful crowdfunding, which was really fun. It's always very nerve wracking. And it's one of those things where you feel like, oh, it, 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 there's this, I think there's this very hurtful idea that like, ah, if you don't fund in the first 24 hours, it's no good. And you're like, well, great. <laughs> um, we, we did really well. We hit all of our stretch goals, but we also only had like two or three stretch goals, uh, which was was great too. The first one being, we're going to improve the book quality a little bit. We're going to put in a, a little ribbon bookmark, which I was very excited for, which oh, is like nice. more expensive than you'd think. That's, we had yeah. to make it a stretch goal. I I was kind of talking to, to Fred Hicks and I was like, we can't just add that. And he's like, no, no, we cannot. It would, it would literally increase the cost too much. So we wow. have to hit that goal first. And then the second goal was, we're just going to pay everybody more. So all nice. of the contributors, um, the That's artists awesome. layout, yeah, they're all going to, you know, my editor, they're all going to get mm -hmm. paid more for, uh, for their time on this project. So those were our, our things. We weren't That's withholding incredible. any content if we didn't no, no. You know, hit yeah. those goals. I just, it, it just, it, it, well, I mean, any, any back project honestly impresses me, especially these mm -hmm. days with, with how hard people, like we just, my wife and I went and got, did a quick grocery run, right? Quote unquote this morning. It's like, I can see the difference in just the past few weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we know people are, are tighter. And so for, for something like this, which as desirable as it is, is sadly not technically a necessity yet, though yeah. maybe it is. Um, mm -hmm. To have so many backers and so much more than you were anticipating it really says something about what you've done already and you know what the what the anticipation is for the second volume that's oh, super cool you. yeah so okay maybe this is unfair to ask you before we wrap up since i mean the book isn't even coming out technically till october but right like like what's next on your radar where are you hoping to go next oh gosh i don't know i just want to get back to teaching um, improv really? for gamers specifically, you know, mm. I have been teaching, as I said, like improv for real life classes Yeah. and I would like to, you know, kind of get back to conventions and, yeah. and get back to, to teaching the series, uh, because it's always a ton of fun for me, but it's something that I just haven't been doing. So I have not gone right. to a convention since 2019. <laughs> Understandably. So with, yeah. with everything you got going on, do you have time to game? Not really. Um, I don't, I don't spend, I, since I spend my whole day in front of my computer, yeah. then I, I try not to, yeah. you know, after five o'clock, but then that means that I'm, I'm not playing any games with friends online. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm uh, obviously just looking at my phone cause I can't not look at another screen, but, and it's sad. <laughs> I, I also don't read a lot for fun because I read all day. Right. You know, yeah. I told a neighbor that yeah. once he looked at me, like I had just said, like, I don't dance or I never smile. He was like, you don't read? I'm like I read all day. I'm tired of reading. 
at the end of the day, like, I wish I could read a book that didn't need any editing. That'd be mm. great. Oh yeah. I imagine everything you read, you're, you, you know, yeah. you go through the lens of the editor. Exactly. Yeah. That's my, hard to turn off. My, my internal litmus test. I've never actually said this to anybody, but my <gasps> ever, but my internal litmus test is if I I read almost exclusively nonfiction other than, you know, some mm-hmm. sci-fi and way too many RPG books now, but, uh, if I can get halfway through that yeah. book and I, and I have only now caught a typo, mm-hmm. I think, okay, that's a really well-edited book. Like I'm 200 pages in and there's one typo. It's like, okay, that I can, that I can accept. And if yeah. there aren't more than like two or three, it's like, there, well, that's great. There's always going to be one. I get so superstitious that once a book is done, um, I don't want to look at it. Sure. So like when we were, when I was working on um, Blades in the Dark, you know, we were, I was playtesting it, we were editing it and, and then playtesting it more. And then once like the book finally arrived, I put it on the shelf and was like, I am done. I am afraid to look at it. I mean, obviously I've still played Blades a lot. I love it, but I was afraid to crack open the book because I was like, if I do, I'm going to find a typo. It's always, I'll look through and then there it will be my failure. (laughs) So I, I get like afraid to to look at um, to look at the things that I've worked on. One thing that I mean that I I get that that that's totally yeah. legit. But I, I'll say though on that note, one thing I have found, and you and I have talked about this, Brad, over the past several years, not not in RPG relevant books like yours, but actual mm-hmm. like source books and that type of of material. Um, and it definitely varies by publisher, no question about it. Mm-hmm. But there are far too many errors, typos, editorial yeah. issues. Like, like I'll be, I'll be the first to say, um, like Evil Hat, no, right? Like the editor, to, the editing to me comes through. But there are others. Well, thank you. Much, I mean, it should. Well, <laughs> A well, lot no, of it's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that. That's very cool to know because I mean, yeah. it's they are super. I mean, as someone who reads a ton and now writes a lot, um, mm-hmm. though not like you, um, I'm, I'm just, that matters to me and I'm very attuned to it because, yeah. you know, you can't help it and I want to learn and you can, you know, you can absorb some of it osmotically, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, publishers like Evil Hat, just super clean. And then there are other publishers who will go nameless, as you said, unnamed, who, you know, like I absolutely love their, their material and, you know, they will continue to take my money. Mm-hmm. I will gladly give it to them. But for such an impressive piece of creativity, there are just too many little errors that ought to have been picked up. Yeah. I'm yeah. just curious, it's, what do you think tough. about that? Yeah. It's sad. I, I mean, one, I want to believe that like people worked on this project and worked hard and, and typos do happen. Mm-hmm. It, you're not going to get a book that's hundred percent perfect. It just can't be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe it can, I don't know, but um even with lots of people looking at things again and again and again, like we just had the final look PDF and someone found a typo. And I was like, that's so obvious. How did I not see that? I've been staring at this thing for like a year now. Uh, And that's why, because the longer you look at it, the more your eyes kind of glaze over things. And that's why you need a a lot of sets of eyes of, you know, a, a, a proofreader, an editor. Sometimes it's really helpful to send out a pre-release copy. If you do crowdfunding, you can send like a pre-release PDF to backers and 
give a little a little Google form and say, hey, if you find a typo, let us know. Uh, and, yeah. and that can honestly be really helpful in finding like those three or four little ones that you just totally missed. Crowd editing, that's actually pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, pay your editors, hire an editor oh, and pay yeah. your editors, oh, yeah. but you never know. Sometimes you will, you know, someone's gonna find something that nobody else did. Um, I, I will say one of the best compliments I ever had on, um, on a book was War of Ashes, which was a book that Evil Hat put out that is based on the same IP of uh, a minis game. And they made a like fate accelerated yeah. version of it that you can then play with minis. It's really cool. And it it's only on PDF right now, which is a shame mm. because the book is gorgeous. And it was so much fun to work on. And it's like a really fun read. Uh, Sophie Lagasse did a lot of the writing and, and also her part, her partner, Ed, did a lot of like little fiction inserts and they're hilarious. Oh, cool. And uh, a friend of mine who reads RPG books like they are novels, you know, just sit down and read the whole yeah, thing. Right. Uh, he told me, he was like, I, I read it. And I have to say, your page referencing was perfect. It's like, <laughs> great. That is, as in, like, that's the stuff I want to hear. Is like, that's we never awesome. had a page reference out of place. Yep. Yes. Excellent. Oh, See, man. I could, I, I love hearing that kind of stuff, honestly, mm -hmm. just because it's the, it's the other side mm -hmm. of the material that mm -hmm. we as consumers read that we don't necessarily understand mm -hmm. the level of effort yeah. it takes mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. in, in our 20s, we just wanted to live in the worlds that were created. In our 40s, we want yeah. to still live in those worlds and we want to understand how they were created. Yeah. 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 Thanks yeah. for dating us, Jason. I appreciate that. I, everyone knows. It's, <laughs> I know. it's so fair. let's not yeah. include Karen in there. No, 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 no. I'm, no, just, I'm, no, I'm, looking I'm at 41. You. It's fine. I'm here. Oh. I'm here. Okay. I'm sorry. We're, we we're, are we're all at this old point. Together. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sadly, maybe. Brad and I are a little closer to 51 than to 41. But, Got it. <laughs> yeah. Speak for yourself. Better. I'm 39. Yeah. Yeah. You have aged horribly, my friend. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I, know. Yeah. Yeah. I look like a pretty rough 39. That was a hard life. <laughs> yeah. That was. Yeah. So uh, that's what happens when you have you friends needed, like you. You needed so, more. You needed more proofreading. Okay. <laughs> see, okay. Well, see, see, I told Stop, you. I told, yeah. We kind of yeah. told Karen that we could get a little ad hominem attack going yeah. here and there, just, yeah. just well, for humor's sake. You well, opened it up at thirty-nine. Yeah. I did. I know yeah. my fault. It's on you. Yeah. Karen, thanks so much for Seriously. joining us today. Oh, absolutely. Um, so much fun. So much fun. I find this fascinating. If you don't mind, we'd love to have you back when the, you know, if not out. before, but when the new yeah. one comes out and yeah, we talk through it. We should yeah, play we some improv games. I'd love it. Oh, that, that would be a awesome. great idea. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, then, uh, yeah, great idea. That's good. Okay, then we have, we'll, we'll set it up. Perfect. Fantastic. Right. I will say now, after, after talking with Karen, that um, one, I, I, I really want to pick up the book because I think this will... Yeah, touch on an area where I want growth. Um, one and two, yeah. we talked about this at the end. We really need to have you back, Karen, because going through and, and doing a couple games as an as part of the episode, I think would be fascinating and it would be something different for us. And it might yes. even put us outside of our comfort zone a little bit, which would be fun. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we, if, what, what does it matter when when it's just five of five other people that could make fun of us? When you know, from our five Brett, we should clarify after we stopped recording. Then she invited us oh, that's to right. that yes. right to improv with her because we, as we often do, we kept talking for a while. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, Karen, we yeah, are sorry. Got a, I, no, no, I we're right. We are there. It was just it was so organic with her. Right. Chatting yeah. before, during, after. Um, almost improvisational, but yes. but in all seriousness, um, no, Karen, thank you for the invitation, and of course, thank you for for joining us on the podcast. Uh, you all in uh in the audience can expect to hear more from her with us, and we are definitely taking you up on the offer, Karen, to improv when that that second edition comes out. We're really looking forward to seeing that and to talking with you again. Absolutely. So, speaking of the GM corner, yeah, tell me, um, so. You know, obviously we've, we've, I've interviewed you lately. Um, yep. You've been doing some writing. Yep. Um, you've obviously been doing some reading because if you weren't doing reading, then I truly believe that, that society has suffered and cats um, and dogs, ir- irreparable, together, right? yeah, irreparable <laughs> right. breakdown. So um, reading or writing, what's been on your, on your desk? Um, so n- uh, nothing specifically rpg related there are some things coming out in the uh, next month and in later this year um uh, i know you're going to talk about something in a moment Uh, at the risk of of being a bit self-aggrandizing though i can share some fun news um since since we talked last week um Aaron Peterson and I, so you you all will recall, hopefully, Aaron, uh, another good friend and colleague, uh, co-author of our of the book I've been writing, obviously with him. And you write, you Brad, you just interviewed us about that not at all long ago, uh, at, at all. Um, after we submitted the complete draft, I still had an itch to scratch the. The first episodes of Strange New Worlds, the Star Trek Strange New Worlds, were just so blatantly and potently applicable to leadership. I really wanted to say a little more at a bit of a more advanced level about Captain Pike as a model of leadership. And when when that didn't debate, I mean, it's been like that in almost every episode this first season. I just had to scratch that itch and and Aaron was glad to go along with it. So we submitted a pitch there, I mean, literally last minute uh, for to StarTrek.com for Captain's Week, uh, which was uh, what the 13th to the 17th or whatever of this month of June. And like we submitted that pitch like Wednesday or I think Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe Wednesday, and got a response a day or so later and had it in that Friday, right? Because the next week was was the 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 captain's week. And we want to get it to them ASAP. And again, we I knew what I wanted to say. And and Aaron was on board, good guy that he is. And so I'm really pleased to say that we had a second article run very recently on Star Trek. Dot com and we'll we'll put the 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 URL in the show notes but it's entitled leadership for a new world and we use pike as an example of really good leadership and then much to our surprise the uh, website the editors at the website 
used our article from last year's Picard Day as the opening article on the website for Captain's Week. And we'll put, we'll put that online too. And that one was called Leadership from the Ready Room. Uh, and so it's kind of cool because that article largely inspired the book, which then inspired the second article. So, you know, it's a silly thing. It looks like it got some nice little attention uh, in, in on social media. Thanks for everyone for that. Um, but it's just, it was just a real treat, a real pleasure to be published on StarTrek.com again, just for, for someone who has cared so deeply about Star Trek since what being uh, 14, well, no, TNG was 14, since being a kid, uh, to be uh, officially adjacent, officially adjacent or adjacently official, I'm not sure. It was pretty since- cool. Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, jokes aside about age, which you heard or didn't hear prior oh, episodes, um, you know, since the 80s. And for those of yeah, you who are young right. and haven't been, weren't born in the 80s or even the 90s, uh, kudos to you for being that young and actually listening to us. They're not, darn right. Um, so, or for us having children that age. So, <laughs> so true. So what is on your I, desk? Interestingly enough, because you knew this, because I had texted mm-hmm. Um, I have been waiting, you and I have both been waiting yeah, to get yeah. information on this book for yes. a while. The publish date was all over the map, yeah. likely due to, you know, obviously supply chain issues and so on. But today I may have missed it because I've been a little under the weather, but all of a sudden I got a box today and it was Jeff Ashworth's new book. Awesome. The Game Master's Book of Traps, Puzzles and Dungeons. I just got it about 90 minutes before we recorded. So um, I can't tell you what has been on my desk, but I can tell you what will be on my desk. <laughs> I know you haven't had much time to look at this at all. No, and I and I message it too. This is yeah. I just I, I haven't looked at it. Um, since I'm quarantined for a couple of days, I will have time. I'm gonna bring a couple books up. Um, and do some reading. One of the things that- Brad, I'm sorry, let me just interrupt for a second. Give everyone the full title in case they don't know Jeff's work. So Jeff Ashworth, it's called The Game Master's Book of Traps, Puzzles, and Dungeons, a punishing collection of bone-crushing contraptions, brain-teasing riddles, and RPG adventures. This is the third book in a series. He did um, the Game Master's Book of Random Encounters, Mm-hmm. And the Game Master's book yeah. of non-player characters. If you look up Jeff yep. Ashworth, A-S-H-W-O-R-T-H, yep. in Amazon, mm-hmm. um, you will yep. you will be able to see the three at a minimum those three books. And and go back to our feed, and you can listen to our interview with him. Yes, about the first two. And after we stopped recording, he actually gave us some insight into this third one that we couldn't share with anyone. So we've been looking forward to this for, well, like you said, for a long time, actually. Yeah. And it moved and moved to August and then it moved to July and then boom, it's June. So one of the things we mentioned in our original is we want to have Jeff back now that the book is out. So we're going to work on that Mm -hmm. based off of his schedule. Um, I think the only other thing I, I cannot remember if this was on the recording with Karen or not, um, but made mention of, of she had a friend who reads RPG books like novels. Yes. We were both and, nodding at that. Point. Yeah. When I yes. heard that, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and you know what that was that just gave me Karen. Thank you. That gave me some 
tacit approval uh, pr- approval <laughs> yes. to go down and grab another one and do some reading again. I'm yes. going to have to. Yes. I think I'm going to go back and reread the Klingon core rule book from Modiphius. So, well, I mean, Shakespeare really was best in the original Klingon. In the original Klingon. Thank yeah. you, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. So. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So that's that's it for me. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, great interview this week. I think in yep. coming, you know, you've been working on securing some additional interviews. I think we mm-hmm. see ourselves. We're still going to be very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some themes that we want to hit on that I yeah, think we're, are we're still working on the mental health theme. Yeah. Yes. Where that this is coming. We're working on this for the end of summer. Yep. And then I think as well, um, would love to get some more creatives in. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing, listeners, all five of you to indulge us, we're going to actually have an episode on our feed after this one, whenever you're listening, mm-hmm. where it's just Jason and I talking. Um, that should be fun. Yeah, just taking just a one week pause in the interviews to, yeah. uh, to, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get it's, there. It's, it's summer and, and, you know, we've been busy and, uh, and we know some of our interviewees and people that we're working with have been busy. So we thought, we'd Oh give, yeah. We'd, we'd put a buffer in there and give people a break um, from us hounding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been so lucky. Yeah. who we've had and we're very lucky with who's going to be joining us coming up yeah and the, i mean there's there's stuff on the horizon like if we look way out um like we we are we're planning on having shelly mazanoble and if we can get him hopefully greg tito as well on on their upcoming book um yeah. it's just a matter of of some of these right we've already talked to them some of these things let's face it the 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 supply chain um it's just like you said with jeff's book it's just pushing these books all over and um and we can't control that neither can they no i mean you had that issue with uh your was it the player's guide for star trek you were waiting for it <laughs> my god that took forever <laughs> and it wasn't totally worth the wait. it was just oh no uh, no you know no, jim had told us look we just we can't control it and the, and i think the running humor was i think i inadvertently ordered that from the overseas store you got it from britain two yeah. months before i got it from the east coast yeah 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 so yeah there was no, I, you go back and listen to it. I think I took my little shots at you here and there. Well deserved. Well deserved. You have so little, you might as well have that. All right, everybody on that note as as Brad sheds a tear. Uh, Thanks as always for being with us. Uh, We will see you next week for a quick divergence off of the interview cycle so that we can talk about all things robot, droid, etc. in RPGing. In the meantime, be well, stay in touch. We'll see you next week.